Welcome, everybody. We appreciate you joining. I am Chad Skipper. I reside at VMware. I'm the global security technologist for the Network and Advanced Security Business Group. And I've been in the security industry for well over 25 years, and we're excited to be a partner uh, with Attack IQ. We use them in many ways, just like you do. Um, and some of the ways that we use them is in, in our Q current uh, development and QA process. We use them um, in showing our capabilities. Um, even with our customers. And today I'm, I'm here with uh, Victor Monga, a peer of mine within uh, VMware. Victor, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Victor Monga. As Chad mentioned, I am a technical marketing architect within the same business group. And as Chad mentioned, we are excited to partner with Attack IQ. Again, we always try to figure out ways how to test controls and actually make sure that uh, whatever the telemetry comes out of that and we can actually showcase and help our customers to test their controls. So really excited to speak to you about uh, our, our journey. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about that, our journey. And what we're going to be speaking to you today is, is actually with the help uh, of Attack IQ, we have been able to, like Victor said, really test and provide um, some value differentiations around our product when uh, demoing and, and, and really going after uh, what our customers want. And that, at the end of the day, is either to prevent advanced threats from happening or reduce that dwell time uh, within the organization. And today we're going to walk you through some of the innovations in ransomware defense for today's multi-cloud environments and, and how we are stitching all this together uh, across the many tactics techniques and, and procedures uh, that we're seeing the threat actors perform uh, across our network. So, so let's get into this right quick. You know, we've probably seen lots of stats. You're recognize, you, you recognize these stats, but, and, and you know, we're seeing 4,000 ransomware attacks every day. That's just what VMware is seeing from that perspective. And if you take a look at the damage that's been done, you know, over the years, you're looking at going from 2018 to 2020, from $8 billion to $20 billion and damage with a spend of well over $123 billion in US money in 2020 for these security technologies. And so when folks are getting uh, victimized every 11 seconds and just look at, you know, what we just saw with lapses and, you know, teenagers being caught, we've got fully funded ad adversary syndicates here, ransomware as a service. I literally can go in and four clicks, you know, uh, be able to create ransomware and deploy it. And, you know, it's it's one thing that we, we work with uh, uh, Attack IQ on. Yeah, it's about getting persistence. That's the first thing that that attacker really wants to do is, is stealthily persist within the organizations. But that's just the first step on day one out of what, Victor, was 197 days on average, right, that folks are staying inside the organization. Um, in any case, right, the next thing that they're doing is they're actually looking at ways to discover your organization um, and move laterally to, to the assets, to the data, right, in which they eventually want to exfiltrate out of your organization. So Victor and I are going to walk you through an attack sequence and, and, and show you exactly, you know, where our technologies fits within those attack sequences and, and be rest assured that, you know, Attack IQ is, is always helping us be able to form these real world attack scenarios um, for our testing purposes as well. So at first, naturally, you're going to see the initial access and, and command and control. So in most TACA sequences, it's going to start off with trying to become persistent on, on that workload, on that PC, on that virtual desktop infrastructure. And then from there, they want to establish uh, that command and control. So what we see here as an example is Cobalt Strike. This is a remote access tool. It allows us to gain persistency. And from that Cobalt Strike, um, we begin to see other aspects. But let's take a look at this. Some of our data that we've seen in the back end is, you know, when it comes to uh, human interaction, human error, the ability to for the threat actor to interact right, with, with your users, we're seeing an upwards of 33% uh, 
of the initial access attempt coming in some form of phishing. And even from our backend telemetry, the threat analysis unit here at VMware, we're seeing 4% of all business, mail, business email contain some type of malicious component. Now, just think about that a minute. 4% of business emails that pass perimeter controls contain some type of malicious component. Now, as we move further down this attack chain, you know, six minutes later, after that initial access, this is all about what that threat actor is doing once they've gained uh, that persistence. And, and we see command and control, right, that has been established um, within, within this threat actor. So that's the first step, get access, do that command and control. And, and what we test with and what we have and where Attack IQ helps us is we are able to provide, you know, uh, this seamless strat this seamless uh, attack chain and show with real world attacks what our capabilities are here. And to level set everyone, we've got EDR, endpoint detection response. This is the endpoint and workload protection from carbon black cloud and carbon black workload. And then it's not only just residents on that endpoint, it's about visibility and observability within a network as well. And we've got east-west security controls, starting with you know, segmentation, micro-segmentation. We all have heard about IDS, IPS, moving up the stack to where um, network traffic analysis, network sandboxing, and then finally ending, correlating all this together with NDR. So let's take a look at that first step right quick. In that first step that we see the initial access and the command and control, you know, we have technologies that is able to detect these types of things. And right now in that initial access command and control, we've got carbon black, we've got the network sandbox, as well as our distributed IDS, IPS that plays a role in here. So the first one that plays a role looking at those malicious payloads that you're, that the threat actor is trying to get your user to interact with, we have integrated a network sandbox within the hypervisor of, of, of the VM. So what that gives us is, is full system emulation. And full system emulation is the ability to emulate um, you know, the operating system, the memory, and the CPU so that we can interact with that threat user. Um, and, and interact with the with the content that that uh, you that the the adversary is trying to get the user to interact with. So in this first stage, we see a malicious file download, right? And we're able to take that off the wire and actually execute that within the sandbox. And and what you see here is everything that we know that is uh, you know mapped right to the modern attack framework. So we see things like command and control that was observed by this threat actor, Cobalt Strike. If you keep on going down, you know, connecting to a server or hard IP, hard IP address, we see that and we can take, uh, you know, capture and capture that. Um, even defense evasion, uh, the, the things that this threat actor is trying to, 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 to evade your infrastructure. And the way that we're able to really, um, you know, pull all of the telemetry out of you know, a, a, a threat, an artifact, a .exe, a .el, you know, .elf, um, PowerPoints, documents, PDFs, these things. What, what we're seeing in the industry is the, the OS emulation of these sandboxes, while, while good, just don't have enough information to understand if behavior is really harmless. Like I, I see running processes, I'm reading multiple files and I'm able to write back the disk and open a network connection, but is that truly malicious? Do we have enough information? The answer to that is really not really. We just don't have enough information. And that's why you have to emulate not only the OS, but the CPU and the memory so that we understand, hey, look, it's looking for the presence of a sandbox. So maybe it wants to sleep so that it can evade that sandbox. It's doing evasive checks on the CPU, um, it's doing with the in-memory encrypting routines for like ransomware. Also, we can see over the network things like the encryption key and, and, and the command and control. So that's one of the ways in which we have insights into um, that initial access and that initial cursion. So I want to turn it over to Victor right quick because naturally there are some things on the carbon black cloud that enables us to see all this telemetry as well. So Victor, off to you. Yeah, so as we are looking at it, and Chad did a great job at talking about initial access and then looking deep into the network aspects of that attack or that side of the attack. 
Now, before we continue and I talk about the endpoint visibility and what you need from the endpoint perspective, think of this way. And I, I, I've been always a huge fan of testing your controls. So we, we have policies that drive down whatever the tactics or ta tactical strategy you have to go in and build those policies, detect, protect, prevent, remediate, whatever those are. Think of this for a second. You had a change control, you had something new, and you made a change. Now, what is that uh, solution going back and testing if the controls are still intact? How does your system make sure that making a change to a system, making a change to a firewall, making a change to endpoint policy still remains intact? All the policies you have to make sure to prevent your crown jewels. That is where really I, I, I really agree with the chat uh, statement about Attack IQ does a great job and you can schedule all of those testing your controls. Now, as we looked at the network data, as we looked at the network telemetry, you need that to really have the full system emulation and dig deep into what is an adversary trying to do? Initial access, how they came in, what they tried to take it out, how they tried to move within your network, within your organization, because no attack will actually come from one end and just died at one end, end point or workstation or a server, it would never happen that way. They would have to do something lateral movement within your organization. So that's where that piece of within your public or private cloud lateral movement is happening. Now think of this way for a second. What's actually happening on the endpoint level? What are the processes they triggered? What are the actual scripts they actually typed? Were they actually encoded? Were they actually decoded? So all of that telemetry about the cross processes, about the registry modifications, that's where it comes to a awareness for security leaders that we need data, raw data, endpoint detection response data from EDR platforms. And best in breed is Carbon Black Cloud where we're giving you raw data as well as we're giving you recommendations that this is what anomaly looks like not based on just signatures, not based on just the old school ways of detecting alerts, based on anomalies. And we're gonna jump into a demo in a few minutes here where there's actually no signature at all. And yet we're able to see how Carbon Black Cloud were able to tell you that this seems anomaly. This seems something is correlated with something known, bad known. So again, as we go through it, as you're looking at the network side of the visibility, Endpoint side of the visibility actually complements each other and make sure that you have complete visibility to actually drive the detection and prevention for a complete visibility and detection and prevention for your organization. And we'll continue this attack chain and we'll continue explaining this in a way where you connect with, with that, what's happening, what's happening in a real life, in a real world. Back to you, Chad. Thank you, Victor. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it, 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 in order for us to have observability, around every bit of these attack vectors, right? EDR is very important from an endpoint perspective, but also NDR, the network telemetry, is also just as important as we begin to see now as we move forward that the threat actor <clears throat> has cobalt strike and we see this adversarial beacon identified. So that the actor is now communicating via C2, right? Deployed by cobalt strike. And this enables us to see Right. We have we have static based signatures and dynamic right behavioral based signatures that enables us to, to see, you know, this command and control and and take a look at the obfuscation that we're seeing here. Right. So we can see, you know, the obfuscated uh, activities that that threat actor is doing, trying to hide um, his his uh, connection out via command and control. Now, just like Victor said, the lateral movement. Now, once the threat actor is in there. Right. You need to be able to test, you know, your, your your defensive capabilities to understand when a threat actor does get in the organization. What is he doing um, to actually either recon and then move laterally? You know, an attack IQ helps us help helps us replay these things in the network where, as an example, a threat actor might. And in most cases, they're going to begin their reconnaissance mission. Right. And so they begin to scan and throughout this, they might find an RDP port that's open. 
you know, a database was discovered. And oh, by the way, yeah, there could be some CVE vulnerabilities that don't have, you know, connected that the system is not connected out to the network, but it does have a, a connectivity within your network. So that threat actor, naturally, he's going to use common ports and protocols to live off the land in order to move laterally. So a few hours later, you know, we began, and this is as an example, oh, look, there's print nightmare. I'm going to try to exploit that uh, so that I can get root and, and, and move laterally on that system. And so in this particular case, right, some of the defensive mechanisms that we do have here is really segmentation, micro segmentation. That reduces the blast radius, right, of, of threat actors trying to move laterally. And then we have our per hop distributed IDS. And, and what that allows us to do, as an example, when we use network segmentation and micro segmentation, if that threat actor is trying to exploit something outside of the outside of it, its segmentation, it's going to be denied, right? But we also have uh, the ability with NSX intelligence to really go in and understand your flows uh, within your virtual, within your multi-cloud. And from that, we can go in and, and start a discovery to really discover what uh, assets are communicating with what. And then we can give you firewall recommendation rules where we then can go publish these rules. And now you have the beginning of a segmented network that's going to reduce uh, your risk and the blast radius uh, of that threat actor. But the question might be, OK, what if that threat actor actually got into a segment of mine and, he, and he's okay with moving laterally within that segment. That's why we have a per hop traffic analysis with IDS. So that's the east-west capability. So if that app has been compromised and it's trying to move laterally or trying to you know, exploit something, a file server, we still have the IDS IPS capabilities in that you know, we, it's distributed in nature and it's at every single hop. But here's another aspect of it. You don't have to deploy 13,000 signatures because, you know, VMware NSX was at the birth of these applications. We have an intrinsic understanding of what those applications are. And so by doing that, we can actually go and take a look and say, look, this is a finance app. You need these Tomcat signatures or you need these Exchange or Apache signatures or these 80 signatures. And the reason that that you want to deploy, you know, IDS, IPS is because, you know, even 35% of what we're seeing is folks are scanning and then exploiting as a way to get initial access into your organization. 33% phishing, 35% here at relative to scanning and exploiting. And according to our own intelligence, this is a survey, our customers, 70% of the database, they still remained unpatched, right? So having an unpatched, you know, asset is sort of like having your crown jewels in, in, in a wet paper bag. It's just not going to work. But you know what? We know patching's hard. And, and sometimes it, you can't even, you, you have cycles um, that you can only patch at certain times of the year. So, so what we have provided is, is this virtual patching. So in this case, the IDS IPS, we can go and actually virtually patch that print nightmare right, to where we can see the exploits coming in and then we can block those exploits like Print print Nightmare from being delivered uh, to that endpoint. And here again, the CVE, this is the IDS, and, and we can see here that we have blocked um, that particular threat and there's your alerts on, on uh, the Print Nightmare. But guess what? Meanwhile, right, threat actors are not going to stop. Okay, I got stopped on that one. You know, we are going to actually see where 75% of what we're seeing in the industry is that threat actors are using common ports and protocols, especially remote desktop protocol, to actually move laterally within the organization. So from there, we have an RDP attempt, right? Uh, the exploit didn't work. So now I'm going to try to move laterally uh, via RDP. That could be with stolen, uh, stolen credentials right? Harvesting those credentials. It can be with brute force, whatever that is, but we see this lateral movement. And again, going back to this, this is the technology that gives us insight into what that threat actor is doing when it comes to lateral movement. Again, that's carbon black, uh, uh, carbon black workload. 
as well as our network traffic analysis and NDR capabilities. And as we drop into the NTA, this is our ability to understand what is going on uh, within east-west of your organization. So uh, our approach is that we apply unsupervised machine learning to all the traffic within that observed network, that's east-west. And this really allows us to recognize the anomalies in traffic and distinguish them from normal activity, right? So we see the suspicious users, we see um, all kinds of suspicious content, and we can do this with no tapping whatsoever. So usually you will have to span or tap to get east-west visibility, but because of VMware is part of the hypervisor, there's no more tapping. But unsupervised learning, unsupervised machine learning just isn't enough because we all know an anomaly is an anomaly, doesn't mean it's necessarily malicious. So what we have done to help reduce the false positives that NTA does provide from myopically only looking at unsupervised machine learning. Yeah, we leverage labeled behaviors and network traffic, right, that we've generated by analyzing millions of samples every day. And these models help identify true threats and remove those anomalies that are not actually security relevant. So we apply the supervised threat centric machine learning models on top of that in order for us to gain you know, accurate threat detection. And, and just to pause here for a second, you know, I'm at a point where don't trust us, right? Um, you know, put this underneath test. And so that's what we did. And we were, NSX NDR was the first network detection response to be tested by SC Labs in the industry. And you can see here, given our visibility that we're showing you right now, um, we were tested against Ulrig, APT3, APT29, FIN7, and we saw everything that they threw at us from a networking uh, perspective. Now let's move on to the to the CB workload. And I want to turn this back over to uh, to Victor so that he can show us, you know, how he sees remote processes in their communication over the network. Victor? Yeah, so as we were talking about, you know, building the story about the unified kill chain, we talked about initial access, we talked about it's going to do a beacon to C2, it's going to get its instructions, then it's going to try to do lateral movement. All of those things are happening on the network level. You need complete visibility. Now, the way security was taught to me, first, you really need to know what you want to block or what you want to allow. So go ahead and put your allow list. Rest everything is blocked. Second, security is not a one-time deal. Things that are gonna change, that's where we need signature. There is a place for signature as well. Finally, is where anomaly. And as Chad said, anomaly is an anomaly, something that we don't understand it yet. That's something with Carbon Black Cloud, we call them as watch list. We will provide you information on the process, we call them node. On every node represented for a process triggered at an endpoint or server level with an exclamation mark and a report that this IOC, indicator of compromise, is actually associated with this process because it tried to do this anomaly thing. Now, you can take action, you can set up uh, policies to take actions for you, so you can do auto remediation. Again, at the end of the day, what we're really talking about is that first, you know what you need to really allow and block. Second, you have those signatures because there are still attacks out there. There are still places where signatures work because people are still trying to do the known attacks. So signatures are built. And finally, the category. That's where really the, the NSX we have and coupled with NTA and IDPS where you can really detonate those, that sandboxing technology coupled with the Carbon Black Cloud is where something that we don't understand it yet, but we still want verdict along with all the telemetry data, all the analytics that we can get out of it. That's where it really comes together to stop those sophisticated attacks because we don't understand them. That's why we call them sophisticated. So they are advanced just because we don't understand them yet. However, we want telemetry, complete visibility, so we can get detection. And finally, we can either do manual prevention or automated prevention and really get that stop the attack from way before it's moving along the chain. 
Absolutely. And, and as you see here on the anomalous RDP connection, right, we have full visibility from a network perspective as well, um, where we have, you know, NTA rules, static and dynamic rules, as well as um, behavioral analysis around the ability to see threat actors use common ports and protocols, right, living off the land uh, to move laterally within your organization. So as we close here, um, in, in this particular case, we end up, now that I've moved laterally, the threat actor has found something of value. And then we see a lot of exfiltration and ransomware slash destroy uh, from this perspective. So several hours later, you know, the attacker actually starts to exfiltrate data and some tools like DNS-CAD. This is a way that they can use DNS uh, to actually um, move their data and exfiltrate that over alternative protocols and C2 channels, right? So once that data is exfiltrated, you know, they often enact a scorched earth top campaign or what we call sometimes, uh, you know, double or triple uh, uh, extortion with ransomware, right? So now I've ransomware, I've removed it out of the organization. And this is what we call double extortion. And this is what we're seeing in 59% of the cases is it's not just the ransomware, but they're also exfiltrating the data. So you have to pay to unencrypt it and then you've got to pay to keep them from releasing that, that publicly. And again, back to this scenario, on the delivery and the exfiltration of ransomware, strong capabilities here again with carbon black uh, workload as well as the network sandbox um, and the IDS being able to pick up some of this telemetry. Let's talk about the IDS. This is the exfiltration stage, right? You really want to understand where that data is, uh, you know, egressing um, your organization. And so we have many different types of technologies that can detect this. IDS is being one of them. NTA is another one as well, right? But as you take a look, we can see the signature-based capabilities that we have on, as an example, uh, DNSCAT, which is a tool designed to create that encrypted command and control a channel to exfiltrate data outside the organization. And then east-west, remember that the malware that we're talking about here, as an example, DarkSide on, on this one, right, was able to be delivered uh, from an internal asset that had already been compromised. And so that sandbox being inside the organization, East-West is able to take those off the wire and then dynamically execute those in a sandbox. And you can see here some of our differentiations on um, what the sandbox is trying to do is evade virtualized sandboxes, right? And that's a challenge in the industry is those virtualized sandboxes. Thus, while we have that full system emulated sandbox. And then back to the carbon black side, I'll turn this back over to, to, to Victor to really discuss, you know, the detection capabilities around those ransomware and the indicators of compromise here. Yeah, so at this stage of the attack, at this point, attacker had done initial access, established C2, laterally moved it. We will stop early on, but let's say, let's assume the attacker is at this stage of the, the attack chain. First of all, we want full capability to actually live respond on that endpoint, on that workload, on that server, on that machine where it's sitting on coffee shop or it's traveling, wherever that is, we want live response. What that means is we want to get the forensics out of it before we actually quarantine it, before we actually go in and actually decommission that machine. So live response is one way. Carbon Black Cloud give you full access to the machine. You can look at the processes. You can look at the registry modifications. You can look at all sorts of things before even attacker clears that. Second, vulnerability management. So before we even decommission that machine or quarantine it, you want to know what happened, what changed with that machine. Without any other hooks or without any third party, within the same single sensor, you can get vulnerability out of that machine. The database is actually built within Carbon Black Cloud. You can see the OS level vulnerabilities, and application level vulnerabilities, such as it could be that Java version was bad, or it could be the Adobe version that was installed was bad. So again, at this stage of the attack, you wanna get all the information so that you can actually take action because this is a stage of attack where you want to take action so that A, you can really sever that link so the data don't actually get expelled. Second, you wanna make sure that you get the, all the insights out so that next time you can prevent the same kind of attack. And finally, let's contain it. Let's stop the widespread. That's where 
among Carbon Black Workload, among Carbon Black Cloud, and NSX NDR NTA, you could really limit that blast circle and you could really limit that contain, contain that attack. And that's where the power is these days because A, you want to get all the insights, but you don't want to be in a waiting pattern. You don't want to be in a holding pattern where while you're getting the insights out of that endpoint, out of that server, out of that workload, it's expanding. So you really want to get that isolated. Second, get all the information you need so you can really formulate the strategy. You can really get the tactical strategy done so that you can prevent the same kind of attack next time. Yeah, absolutely. And as we close here, before we get into the demo, uh, Victor's going to show you a demo of, of Carbon Black at Endpoint Detection Response. And then I'm going to show you a, a demo of the network detection response capabilities with NSX that follow the campaign that we just said here. But this is you know, you have your best of breed standalone, EDR and NDR, but really it's better together, right? And this is where we appreciate our partnership with Attack IQ because their, their, their platform really helps us um, connect the dots relative to testing, as an example, uh, proving our capabilities to where, you know, across that modern attack framework between the endpoint and its observability, between the network and its observability, we have uh, visibility and detection and response capabilities across, you know, the entire modern attack framework um, and those tactics and techniques um, that are being used against you uh, within your organization. So with that, we're going to move on uh, to, to demos for you. We're going to be focusing on the dark side aspect. So given that, we're going to move directly now into the demonstrations. And first, we're going to start off with Victor, and he's going to demonstrate the Carbon Black Cloud um, endpoint detection response capabilities in, in this scenario. So I'll turn it over to you, Victor. Yeah, thank you. So again, uh, in this demonstration, first of all, you want to remember that we purposely set the sensor policy to detection mode only. All of this could have been prevented. All of this could have been blocked. All of this could have been actually stopped way before however for demonstration purposes for illustration purposes we actually set the sensor policy to detection only so that we can really demonstrate the visibility that you get from carbon black sensor so that um, we can really talk about this demonstration so i'm gonna walk through this as a story i'm gonna walk through this as as an analogy that i would like to talk to where as a SOC analyst as an analyst where when i see an alert and there are differences. Watchlist alert versus CB analytics. Watchlist alerts are those, let's call them anomaly-based. That's something that we, VMware Common Black, feels and really wants to for, want you to actually look at it. At the same time, we're giving you the context that you need to make decision. We did not take action on your behalf just yet. And again, keep in mind, all of this was set on detection mode only. So. This alert right here, first scene, I see the time, the reason I can see it. Uh, a keyword I'm going to use here is going to be watch list. Watch list actually comprised of, you can think of it as one watch list is a bunch of IOCs, indicator of compromises, packed into one watch list. We have two kind of watch list. One is where you subscribe. That's something that we get it from VMware Cover Black. We get it from SANS, we get it from our partners. That's something that IOCs that they see or detect. And we, based on the alert that we're getting, the data, the telemetry that we are getting from your endpoints and servers and the workloads, we actually provide you the high, high fidelity alerts uh, in uh, Carbon Black Cloud. Second type of the watch list are custom watch lists. That's something based on your environment. Those are also known as environmental watch lists because you know your environment better than anyone. There is no vendor, there's no partner who can actually build the IOCs, the crown jewels that you feel for your organization that you wanna get alerted on. You wanna make sure that if there is any correlation to something like that, I'll give you an example. If let's say your database server is only accessed on RDP and someone is trying to do SSH to it, or you wanna see who's actually scanning my database server, you can actually put that into IOC. You can simply actually create an IOC where the Nmap scan or SSH with an IP address or host name, when it's actually triggered, will give you an alert. 
you can set the severity, you can set the target value. And again, this is environmental. This is all based on your environment. So the way I set this alert is severity 10, which means highest. We have one to 10, 10 means the highest. Target value, what it means for me as an organization, you can start with critical high, medium, low. I set this as high. And again, this is all based on your policy, the way it's actually triggering alert for this device. So let's go ahead and open this up. And again, all of this is, you're gonna see it um, based on the conversation we just had with Chad as well, the same attack, uh, the attack chain we went through. So when I open this alert, this is the exclamation mark I was talking about. So we refer to this as a node. So PowerShell executable is not anomaly. It's not bad, we all know it. However, why are we saying that there's something going on? Because we detected an anomaly. This is where it is, there is no signature, but at the same time, based on the watch list, based on the IOCs that we see, we are telling you that this IOC is actually associated with what happened, what was used, what was triggered among this node, among this process. So PowerShell EXE with all of these nine reports and nine hits, this is enriching the context. Now you can actually make a decision good or bad we're giving you the context like all of these iocs are actually associated with this node the way i look at when i open the process tree and this is again i'm a visual person because this helps me actually reduce the time to make a decision good or bad what's the next verdict what i want to do from here do i want to go take an action from here and quarantine i want to bypass i want to share the process tree with the tier two uh, analyst what i want to do from here Again, I'm a visual person about who was logged in. What was the operating system? What was the IP address? Was it on-prem? That means, was it within my organization or was it off-prem? Was it at coffee shop or their personal home network or traveling? What was the policy selected for this device? And again, this is very important for me because that drives the tactical strategy for the next steps. That really tells me, do I need to lock down the policy? Do I need to change the policy so all of those decisions i can make it quicker instead of actually having to go through different screens or different data points so here the way i see it i see an excel actually triggered all of these processes again as an analyst i would need more information so what happened what happened actually we're trying to replay what happened at the endpoint level what happened on that operating system who clicked what who downloaded what and what happened consequently. So the way I see is Outlook, open an Excel. Now, I know the way it's it's gonna look that it's not bad. Outlook can open Excel because sometimes we have Excel embedded into emails, very usual business as usual. However, what's unusual here is what's the anomaly here? And again, that exclamation mark on the node is gonna drive that decision why it's bad, why it requires our uh, additional eyes on it, is this right here, Visual Basic. Now, if my organization, if my company actually drives a policy that we do not allow Visual Basic because it's bad, it actually prones to attacks, it's actually uh, the fundamental of IOCs or indicator of compromise, the initial access is actually usually done by using Visual Basic because it's a full-fledged command line. You can embed all sorts of commands here. And that's where it happened in this attack as well. So again, it's not just about what happened at the moment. It We are trying to replay what happened right before the attack as well. I didn't even speak about the dark side ransomware attack just yet. We are talking about what happened right before. So Outlook, open up Excel using that watch list context within the watch list name, common black endpoint, suspicious indicators, we looked at it. Now, as I'm peeling this onion, as I'm going dig, digging deep into it, within the same console that Excel actually opened Chrome.exe, and again, it's not usual at the same time, it's not very unusual, but I can see that this Excel had Visual Basic that triggered Chrome.exe, that means it actually opened up a web browser. All right, so let's look at it. So when I click on it, I can see what website was actually accessed. So I can see there's a website named freecoupons.com. And again, all of this is for demonstration purposes. 
there is no real website called freecoupons.com. I'm also looking at other processes associated with the same parent process. So this will be a parent process. All of these are child processes. I see there's a ping to the same sort of website as well. That also gives me a context that gives me a confidence that there was some sort of attention to going to the website and pinging it first to check if it's alive or not, then opening up a Chrome to actually go to the website. All right. I, we still need more information. And again, we are peeling this onion within the same console, same information to understand what's our next steps. What do we want to do from here? So I look at it as another PowerShell EXE. There is exclamation mark with all those watch list hits. We are giving you the context that you need. What are the IOCs associated with this child process now? So I go ahead and click on this executable. This looks a little suspicious because I'm, I'm as an analyst, as a previous experience. But at the same time, if there's a tier one analyst, there's someone beginner level, there is a skill set still needed to be done or, or they need to train on, on this console. How would they know it's good or bad? Well, we're giving you the reputation right here, non-malware. So right away, you can tell that it's a good, or, good or bad. You can actually go into binary details and look at all the binary details. What was the file description? When was it seen first? If the attacker is smart enough, they will actually try to hide all of this information from you. And that's what it's happening here. So how do I determine it's good or bad? Because I can see the reputation here, but I can also go to virus total. So right from the console, using the same hash, we went to we went to virus total to look at it. This is where I can confirm that this is a dark side ransomware named as freecoupon.exe. And again, you will see that very common, very frequent in common attacks these days. They're not going to name the executable as dark side ransomware. They're going to try to be smarter. They're trying to be sneaky about it, how they name it. So you can see there was actually a theme where we did a ping to free coupon dot something. We actually open a Chrome uh, web browser to free coupon dot something. We download it. So that's where victim actually fell for it. That's where victim actually really saw that there was a common theme. So they didn't feel, they didn't find the anomaly. They continued to fall for it. But as an analyst, you need that information. That's where the common black cloud is providing you raw data and rich data about the file modifications, the module loaded, cross-proc. That's something that you would need an insight. If this turned into an incident, you need that information. Registry modification. What changes did they make on the endpoint? Child processes. So all of the information is right here. I'll peel one more process that what happened with this child process. This is where I can see that this child process, PowerShell, is actually executing hostname exe, IP config, nmap, shell exe. And again, all of these processes doesn't look bad when you look at them as singular. Put them together, I can assure you this was an attempt for recon because hostname is giving me the information about the endpoint or workload or server. IP config is giving me information about the IP address uh, locally assigned to that machine so that I can actually go in try to attack it or whatever I need to do. Nmap, once again, for a recon. Shell.exe, now what is that? Um, again, with experience, I know something is suspicious, but at the same time, Common Black Cloud is also giving you that exclamation with the watch list hit right here. At the same time, what I said before that we can get the information about the reputation, but if you see it, and that's where, again, we can't just rely on signatures, Repetition is not listed. What does that mean? That means we don't know about this binary. Let's go ahead and try virus total. Well, they are saying item is not found. So how do we know if this binary is good or bad? How do we correlate that? That's where the true power of enriched data, the EDR comes in. This is where we provide you the raw data, unfiltered data. You have access to it. Despite the fact we are recommending you the things that we feel that this is good or bad, we still give you full access to the data that you need sometime to make decisions for your organizations. So even though we didn't find the reputation, what we did find in that enriched EDR data 
first of all, obviously, techni techniques and the TTPs that we are finding is tactics, techniques, and procedures. And you will see sometimes the MITRE uh, TID is exactly um, linked to the alert. What I want to point out the, your attention to is this right here. So we know freecoupon.exe was dark side ransomware. Using the machine learning and correlation, we are actually telling you the application freecoupon.exe dropped an executable file shell.exe. Now you can be determined and you can assure that this is bad. There is no room for actually guessing anymore because we don't know other binary yet. We know the correlation between it. And that's where it really, I would say the power of it comes to the raw data, the replaying the whole attack before and after for, for any sort of endpoint workload servers. And that's where the correlation between EDR data and NDR data is very important these days. Well, thanks, Victor. Thanks for the great insights that you've given us on the carbon black uh, endpoint detection response. You're right. Visibility is key. Observability as well. And, and our detection capabilities on, on the endpoint. But as, as you very much are, uh, said, that the endpoint is that one piece. Now let's talk about uh, the network detection and response and what we see on the actual network. This is the NSX network detection response capabilities. And based on what we just discussed, this is a very high level um, uh, you know, campaign uh, that we have seen across you know, a, a lot of customers. But this, these types of things is where the network detection response utilizing the sandbox, utilizing the IDS, utilizing network traffic analysis is connecting the dots of what that threat actor is doing once they gain that initial access within the organization. Here you can begin to see on this malware wheel that we've seen four different threats, right? Malicious file download, a little bit of dark side, DNS cat here, as well as um, it targeting uh, two hosts within your network. And then you know, the attack stages on the right really um, follow the moderate attack framework. We had a delivery of something. The ones that are highlighted in orange are the ones in which we, we see um, that tactic being deployed, command and control, lateral movement, and then exfiltration. Now, we're starting at the very high level. And rest assured, you can get down all the way down into the PCAP um, of that event um, that we detected on. Here is the campaign blueprint. Um, it's interactive. You can see here that these are our two home devices. So this is what we're trying to protect. You know, this is the lateral movement that we spoke of earlier. As an example, Eternal Blue being able to move laterally within the organization. Here's the threat actor. We see exfiltration via DNS cat. Also, uh, the, the, the download of malicious files, as well as the communication via dark side. And this is actually interactive. So if I select on you know, this flask, this is actually the malware that was executed inside of the sandbox. You can see here, we get a little bit of IOC information um, and, and, and the URL and which it came from and the hosts. Same thing with like uh, Eternal Blue, um, we can have uh, additional information there on, on Eternal Blue. As we move down, um, one of the values that is uh, the network detection response, given we have telemetry coming from you know, several different sensors uh, within the organization, it's all about the ability to correlate you know, those signals across a campaign that allows us to show you a timeline of what those threat actors are doing. And so we have a timeline here. You can start at the start, the end, the highest impact, but let's just start at the start time and you can see, given this time, um, you know, this is, we're seeing a malicious file download uh, to this home device. We give you IOCs, uh, you know, attribution that we saw, you know, 175, which is, you know, out of North Korea. If you want to have any more information, there's who is intelligence, right? You can go and look at the event directly itself. But if I just click on dark side here, it's going to give me you know, a reference event. Here's the SHA. It'll tell me a little bit about what's going on in that file in which we saw um, first seen, where it was downloaded, and, and the protocol in which we saw it. If you wanted to select and take a look at it deeper into DarkSide, right, this is where um, our telemetry comes in from our full system emulated sandbox. Again, we'll dynamically execute this in the sandbox. 
Here again, this is the analysis overview of that file that we've seen. Here's the threat level. We know it's dark side. We know it's a Trojan and it's ransomware um, and it's anti-family, anti-virus family here. But as as you else can see that you know we're we're seeing these tops execution anomaly um, and that's a, associated with modern attack tactics and technique. And we also uh, as we interact with that malware, we actually allow it uh, to create those connections out to the dark side, those command and control. And here you can see that we captured the network traffic and, out, and network traffic uh, from this particular threat actor and this threat, and we're able to capture that. And here's a PCAP that you could open up in your own uh, PCAP repository. And again, we've, we've identified this as malicious traffic that we're seeing between those hosts. And as we move down, we see command and control, right? Um, this is more information. So we got command and control going back out to North Korea. Here is just a high level overview of the rule. You can scroll down. And if you wanted to take a look at that rule, you can see that here, our categorization, the abstract and exactly, you know, what we're detecting on relative to the IDS. So again, sandbox, if it was in a prevention mode, we would have stopped this. Again, this is all a detection uh, capability demo. The IDS IPS, again, in prevention mode, it could prevent the command and control. And then here's where network traffic analysis comes in, our ability to understand anomalies and malicious activity around the lateral movements that you're seeing here. This one as an example, eternal blue. And we can see um, from patient zero, now we're talking to from patient zero to patient one, and that's our lateral movement we were able to then download malware uh, from that threat actor, same type of malware. This is the dark side again. We see the dark side uh, command and control. And then finally, the, the threat actor in this short sequence was lucky enough to find the data in which they were looking for. And then they began to exfiltrate that data uh, via DNS cat. So in closing, you know, uh, we hope that you have seen some value here and, and understand that the, the partnership that we have with other vendors um, in the industry is very important. And that partnership that we have with Attack IQ, and we appreciate Attack IQ uh, as that partner, as they have helped enable us um, better uh, perform within our product around you know, development, around troubleshooting, as well as around testing. And we hope that you have seen some of the same type of capabilities here that Attack IQ can help you test your infrastructure as, as we move forward. So with that, we thank you. Uh, appreciate the time that uh, you have given us today. And uh, Victor, you have any last closing words for us? No, as you said, please test your controls. Make sure that there's an there's a automated way of testing your controls, red team exercises, penetration testing engagements, all good and well but they are one time. You cannot do it every time you make a change in your environment. However, you need to make sure that your controls are intact every time you make changes. So again, use Attack IQ to test your security controls and uh, stay tuned. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Everybody have a great day. Thanks for joining.